So Riyadh al-Salihin is a pretty standard book, you know, how many of you have heard of it before? Yeah, pretty standard. Um, Gardens of the Righteous by Imam al nawawi and it's compiled by Imam al nawawi because it's hadith, so obviously he's not writing it himself, he's compiling it. What's really nice about it is that, generally speaking, books of hadith were not, generally speaking, meant for the masses. You know, they were like Bukhari, Muslim, Tirmidhi, and Asa'i. These weren't books that were meant for the average Muslim to just pick it up and read it and benefit type thing. Um, they were meant for people of knowledge. So where then does one get a connection to the sayings of the Prophet them And Riyadh al-Salihin is one of the good places for that because Imam al-Nawawi has kind of taken from the major books of Hadith and he's organized his book according to the reminders that you need from the life of the Prophet rather than according to the chapters of law which is how the, the big books of Hadith are organized so I, one of the things that I believe about I mean I believe about all of the works of Imam Anawi is that they're all Mubarak everything that he did was Mubarak Rahimahullah uh, an. Imam Anawi was an amazing figure in Muslim history he, he died in his 40s and he uh, produced works. Sorry, dear. You have the other book. <laughs> Did you hear it? Okay. Uh, he he produced works that are still studied in mo in like most of the big fields. So he produced two major works in fiqh that are still studied. Uh, he produced a number of works in hadith that are still studied. The forty hadith is compiled by him. Riyadh al-Salihin is compiled by him. Probably the most famous commentary on Sahih Muslim is written by him. Uh, he has books on adab, like the adab of the people that memorize the Quran. He has books on uh, kind of like zuhud and spirituality and stuff like that, asceticism. He has many things, mashallah. And he lived it, more importantly than what he wrote, is that he lived it. He was um, very renowned for his asceticism, for his piety. Again, he died in his 40s, but he wrote in all of these fields, and all of his works are still studied, mashallah. Uh, he, one of the things that's said about him is that when he left his home in Noah, outside Dam Damascus, to go to Sham to study when he was uh, you know, a little bit older, he went when he was 18. And it's said about him that he said that his, he went when he was 18, and his side didn't touch the ground for two years. His side didn't touch the ground for two years, which means that basically, when he sleeps, he sleeps like like we're sitting right now. So you know he'd study, and if yaglibuhu nom, he just take a nap. If sleep overcomes him, he just take a nap, and then when he wakes up, he'll keep continue his studies. And this is how he went for about two years, and he became very renowned in all of the different disciplines. He was very, very scrupulous about where his money came from and what he ate from and so on. So it was said, for example, that he wouldn't eat really from the, the fruits at certain orchards around Damascus because he was under the impression that they may have been uh, endowments that were usurped. So he wouldn't eat from them. You know, he wouldn't touch it. And he would speak truth to the rulers at his time and stuff like that. Rahimahullah ta'ala. That's enough of an intro for Imam al nawawi for, for the purposes of what we're sitting in right now. Maybe in other times we can do more details. Biographies are important. They put things in their right place. 
you know, when you know what the people before you have done. So basically, Riyadh al-Salihin, it's two volumes like this, mostly hadith. Like I said, I'm not going to comment. I'm not going to really spend so much time on the commentary of the hadith because it's not the point. The point is to read the hadith. Maybe we'll read the hadith in English, at least the shorter ones twice. That way you can get a little bit of repetition. Uh, so let's just begin. Uh, narrate this book and all of the books of hadith by the general permission and uh, of, of a number of teachers. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have uh, preserved them and increased them. Ameen. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Babul Ikhlasi. قال المصنف رحمه الله تعالى ونفن الله وياه بعلومه في الدارين. May Allah bless the author with and give him knowledge uh, and give us the blessing of his knowledge and benefit from it in this life and the next. Amin. Each chapter will have a chapter title and usually some verses from the Quran if applicable and then it will go into the hadith. So if you're ever tasked with giving like a small talk or something, this is the easiest place to get the information you need. Just choose whatever title you need. And then look at the hadith, take one or two hadith and, and move with it, inshallah. So, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Bab al-Ikhlasi wa ahdar al-Niyati fi jami'i al-A'mali wal-Aqwali wal-Ahwali al-Barizati wal-Khafiya. So he says, chapter one, sincerity and significance of intentions for all actions, apparent and hidden. Uh, generally, probably like in the verses and the shorter hadith, I'll read the Arabic for the blessing of the the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and then in the longer ones I'll skip the Arabic just because of practicality قَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِسِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ حُنَفَاءَ وَيُقِيمُ الصَّلَاةَ وَيُؤْتُوا الزَّكَاءَ وَذَلِكَ دِينٌ قَيِّمًا وَقَالَ تَعَالَى لَنْ يَنَالُ اللَّهَ لُحُومُهَا وَلَا دِمَاؤُهَا وَلَكِنْ يَنَالُهُ التَّقْوَى مِنْكُمْ وَقَالَ تَعَالَى قُلْ إِنْ تُخْفُوا مَا فِي صُدُورِكُمْ أَوْ تُبَدُوهُ يَعْلَمْهُ اللَّهُ Allah the Exalted says, so these are the verses, he starts with these three verses. Again, chapter title is really important for those of you who don't come on or hadn't come in the past on the hadith sessions. One of the big things to pay attention to when you're reading hadith is what is the chapter title that the compiler put in the section that the hadith is in. Because oftentimes there's multiple things that you can take from a hadith and they, they're bringing it in that section title to get you to focus on that part of it. So Bukhari, for example, rahimahullah, he'll oftentimes mention the same hadith in a number of different chapters. And each time he's mentioning it is because of what's related to the chapter title specifically. So you might read the verses and be like, okay, what are all these verses saying? All these verses are indicating the importance of intention. They're all indicating the importance of intention. Allah the Exalted says, and they were commanded not, but that they should worship Allah and worship none but Him alone. Stay, abstaining from ascribing partners to him and perform a salah and give zakah and that is the right religion so they were commanded as such it is neither their meat nor their blood that reaches God but it is piety from you that reaches him also in the Quran and he said subhanahu wa ta'ala say O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam whether you hide what is in your hearts or reveal it Allah knows it so all of these then are pointing to the importance of maintaining a uh, a certain level of sincerity internally. The first hadith, وَعَنْ أَمِرُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَبِي حَفْسٍ عُمَرِ بْنِ خَطَّابِ إِبْنُ نُفَيْلِ بِنْ عَبْدٍ عَزَّةِ إِبْنَ الرِّيَاحِ بِنْ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ بِنْ قُرْتِ بِنْ رَزَاحِ إِبْنَ عَدِيَ بِنْ كَعْبِ بِنْ لُعَيَ بِنْ غَالَ بِنْ قُرَشِ and عَدَوِي He doesn't usually do this. So he gives the full uh, lineage of Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhu. He doesn't usually do that. 
but he just kind of does it out of like this is the first hadith let's be thorough and then kind of like after that he'll just make it short he does the same thing with the, you'll see at the end قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول إنما الأعمال بالنيات وإنما لكل امرئ ما نوى فمن كانت هجرته إلى الله ورسوله فهجرته إلى الله ورسوله ومن كانت هجرته لدنيا يصيبها وامرأة ينكحها فهجرته إلى ما هجر إليه متفق على صحته رواه إماما المحدثين أبو عبد الله محمد بن إسماعيل بن إبراهيم بن المغيرة بن بار باردزبة الجعفي البخاري وأبو الحسين مسلم بن حجاج ابن مسلم القشيري النيسابوري رضي الله عنهما في صحيحيهما اللذين هما الصح الكتب المصنفة So he says, of course the translation doesn't show all of that. The translation says, Umar bin Khattab رضي الله عنه said, the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said. So the translation doesn't give his whole lineage. It's okay. The deeds are considered by the intentions and a person will get the reward according to his intention. So whoever emigrated for Allah and his messenger, his emigration will be for Allah and his messenger. And whoever emigrated for worldly benefits or for a woman to marry, his emigration will be for what he emigrated for. And this is narrated in the books of Bukhari and Muslim, which are, he says, the most authentic of the books that have been written. All right? Because the Quran is not compiled, it's not written, it's from Allah. So Bukhari and Muslim, from the things that human beings have put together, these are the two most sound, Bukhari and Muslim. Few very quick points on this hadith, since it's one of the most important hadith in Islam, right? This is the, the hadith that always gets mentioned. They say that this hadith, the scholars have variously said that this hadith is either half of knowledge, because knowledge is internal and external, external, or they've said that this hadith is a third of knowledge. Because there's the knowledge of the heart, and there's the knowledge of the tongue, and there's the knowledge of the limbs, and this is the knowledge of the heart, so it will be one third. Um, Imam al Shafi'i used to say, Rahimahullah, that something like this hadith enters into something like 70 different areas of knowledge because it's connected to so many things. It's connected to your wudu, it's connected to your salah, it's connected to your zakah, it's connected to every act of worship, and the end becomes an issue of the intention. And uh, they say, by the intention, and an act of custom is turned into an act of worship and acts of worship are differentiated from one another this is all by the intention right so i could just visit someone and it's an act of custom or if i make a good intention i visit someone and it's an act of worship i could sit down and eat my food and it's just lunchtime or i make a good intention and that uh, that act of cust customary action becomes now an act of worship and it also differentiates between acts of worship themselves. So I could stand up to pray four rakah in the time of dhuhr, and it could either be a sunnah prayer or it could be a fard prayer. Right? So that, that is distinguished by what is the intention that the person has. The other thing is the Prophet ﷺ puts kind of like the principle that actions are by their intention. Then he gives the consequence of the principle, and each person will have that which they intended. And then he gives the practical explanation of what that means. Like he gives a practical example to clarify the meaning of what's being said. So actions are by their intentions. Each person will have what they intended. And then, so the person who does this and this and this, then they will get their reward or they won't get their reward, basically. Right? It gives, a, gives an explanation. Another slight thing is that oftentimes you see this in the Quran as well. Oftentimes when it has to do with something that's negative, um, it's very subtle. And when it has to do with something that's positive, it's very direct. And the Qur'an is the same way. Surah Al-Fatiha is that way. 
versus So the ones that have the blessing of Allah, it's very direct. The ones that you have given your blessing to. And the ones that are talking about that have occurred wrath, it's, it's passive. The structure is passive in the language. So here you have, so the person who made immigration for the world or for a, a woman to marry her or whatever, they'll have that which they immigrated for. It's very subtle, right? And for the one who makes immigration for Allah and His Messenger, then their immigration is for Allah and His Messenger. It's very direct. So there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a subtlety there. And there's many, many verses in the Qur'an where that takes place as well. So again, I don't want this to turn into a commentary class, so we have to keep moving. But this is a very, very important hadith. I think it's interesting that like so much of this uh, modern conversation around spirituality talks about intentions. You know, setting intentions and what are your intentions, like all of it around defining your intentions, which is essentially everything that's in our religious tradition, you know. <coughs> Even with a smile this morning, when we were driving to school, we were having a conversation around what are your intentions for the school year, you know. Like, you're going into, your, now is your first day of first grade, what's your intention? Are you intending, what are you intending to do? And he's like, I'm intending to work hard and, you know, and so on. I was like, oh, good. Because we keep trying to tell him, it's very important. Don't encourage people to be smart. It's not a good policy. <laughs> because there's only so much control you have over how smart you are. Like, sure, you can put your effort in and you can work harder, but some people are just going to, like, get things faster than other people. All right. But you can have control over how much effort you put in and whether or not you put your effort in and so on. So, like, sometimes people will come back, are you the smartest kid in your class? Like, no, who cares if they're the smartest kid or not? Plenty of smart people failed in life because they were too lazy, they didn't work hard, right? <laughs> or for any number of other reasons. But a lot of times it happens when things come easy to people, then it becomes, uh, they become lazy about it. But anyway, so he said he wants to work hard. I was like, good, offering. And... Uh, then, you know, I told him, like, what are your intentions with towards other people? What are your intentions towards your teacher? So on. So, like, you have this conversation around intention. Hadith number two. An Umm al-Mu'mineen, Umm Abdullah, Aisha radiallahu anha, qalat qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, yaghzu jayshun al-ka'bata, fa'idha kanu bi bayda'a min al-ardi, yukhsafu bi awalihim wa akhirihim. Qalat qultu, ya Rasulullah, kayfa yukhsafu bi awalihim wa akhirihim wa fihim aswaquhum wa man laysa minhum? قَالَ يُخْسَفُ بِأَوَّلِهِمْ وَآخِرِهِمْ ثُمَّ يُبْعَثُونَ عَلَى نِيَاتِهِمْ مُتَّفِقٌ عَلَيْهِ وَهَذَا لَفْظُ الْبُخَارِيِ Usually I noticed, in the, at least in the translation I have, I think there's some newer ones now, but this used to be the one that was like, the one that you can get your hands on. Um, it doesn't usually give like the full... Actually what Imam Noah says after the hadith, I'm not really sure why. <laughs> you know, so like sometimes he'll say it's narrated by a Tirmidhi and Tirmidhi said that it's Hassan. Right? Which is important in terms of grading the hadith. Like where does the hadith lie? It'll just say Tirmidhi in the translation. I don't know why they leave out the Hassan part. Um, here, for example, it says it's narrated by Bukhari and Muslim and the wording is from Bukhari. Which is an important subtlety. You know which one, like sometimes the wording is slightly different between the two. And it's not a whole lot of words. It doesn't, like, in terms of printing, it's not going to change the printing. But it just says Bukhari and Muslim. Anyways, look on the Arabic. Even if you know a little bit of Arabic, you can probably figure out what's being said at the end. Uh, so he s she says, Radiallahu anha, 
Aisha narrates, Um al-Mu'minin, our mother, uh, the mother of Abdullah. Who is this? Did Aisha have children? No, she didn't. She didn't. So who's Abdullah? Abdullah is her nephew. Yeah. Yeah. Which one? He's the son of uh, her older sister. Asma. Asma. Asma and uh, and Zubair, Zubair ibn Awam. So their their son is Abdullah ibn Zubair, radiallahu anhu. Uh, and she's the mother of Abdullah. She, that's what they would call her. Aisha radiallahu anha narrated that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, it's very important to say sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's part of the blessing of being in hadith gatherings. You get the chance to say sallallahu alayhi wa sallam over and over and over and over again. And the Prophet sallallahu told us many, many different uh, blessings in that. I was thinking about doing a book on that, but I think that it's kind of tedious for most people. To like read narration after narration after narration that's you know, roughly similar but a little bit the same. You know, and they're not really so different about like the, the merit of sending salawats on the Prophet on the Prophet But any case. Oh there's many. Yeah, there's a couple in there's at least one in the in the room there. Uh, but anyways, Aisha radiallahu anha she said and that the Prophet said, An army will raid the Kaaba. An army will raid the Kaaba. And when it reaches a desert land, this is like an area outside of uh, the the Mecca. When it reaches a desert land, all of them will be swallowed up by the earth. She asked, O Messenger of Allah, why all of them? And he answered, all of them will be swallowed. It's also not a full transition. SubhanAllah. She said, why all of them? And amongst them is like uh, their markets and people who aren't really like, they're traveling, they're with these people, but they're not really part of the army, right? So uh, he said, and then she said, Why all of them? And he said, All of them will be swallowed by the earth, but they will be raised for judgment according to their intentions. All of them will be swallowed by the earth, but they will be raised according to their intentions. And this is important to think about because, you know, this is a particular scenario that they're talking about. But there's things that happen in life. Like, you know, maybe La Qadr Allah We don't have to go very far There's all kinds of tragedies that happen in life And sometimes people are in the wrong Quote-unquote the wrong place at the wrong time Right? And that's when their life that's when their life ends And if that's when their life ends Then everyone is raised according to their intention So, you know As long as the point is to keep a good intention وعن عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا هجرة بعد الفتح ولكن جهاد ونية وإذا استنفرتم فانفروا متفق عليه ومعناه لا هجرة من مكة لأنها صارت دار إسلام see all of that is not here sometimes they put it in the commentary to be fair they have like a little bit of commentary afterwards generally it's half it's it's pretty good usually um, sometimes it's a little bit much but, you know, that's its own thing to talk about, so I shouldn't open that door. Aisha radiallahu anha narrated that the Prophet said, There is no immigration after the conquest of Mecca, but only jihad and niyyah. Only jihad and intention. Right, which is basically the, what Imam Anawi comments on after this. Uh, and then he finishes, so if you are summoned to fight, go forth. So... Basically, the Muslims are in Mecca and they go to Medina, right? They, you have the immigration to Medina, and there's a period when 
people are expected to leave Mecca and go to Medina. They're expected to make this migration. And uh, eventually there's the opening of Mecca, so now Mecca becomes under the Muslim rule. So now the hadith is saying there's no migration at this point. Like that migration to Medina is no longer necessary. And the possibility to gain the fadl, the virtue of being from those people, is actually also no longer there. But what's left is jihad and niyyah. It's to make jihad when it's time to make jihad and to have a good intention. وعن أبي عبد الله جابر بن عبد الله الأنصاري رضي الله عنهما قال كنا مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في غزات. There's that one that Sundas was mentioning last last week in the seminar. I'll come back to it. He says كنا مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في غزات. فقال إن بالمدينة لرجال ما سرتم مسيرا ولا قطعتم واديا إلا كانوا معكم حبسهم المرض وفي رواية إلا شركوكم في الأجر. رواه مسلم ورواه البخاري عن أنس رضي الله عنه قال رجعنا من غزوة تبوك مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال إن أقوام خلفنا بالمدينة ما سلكنا شعبا ولا واديا إلا وهم معنا حبسهم العذر So he said صلى الله عليه وسلم جابر بن عبد الله الأنصاري reported that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم he said we accompanied the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم in an expedition when he said So he says we were with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم which you'll see over and over again in the narrations. They were with the Prophet and this happened. They were with the Prophet and this happened. Uh, with the Prophet doesn't mean that they were on their social media and they noticed that his his name had the little green circle next to it. Right? <laughs> like with the Prophet means they were actually physically in the presence of the Prophet of Allah Physical presence with people is important. So he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there are some men in Medina who are with you wherever you march and whichever valley you cross. They have not joined you in person because of their illness. In another version, he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they share the reward with you. It is also narrated by Bukhari from Anas ibn Malik radiallahu an. We were coming back from the battle of Tabuk with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when he remarked, there are people whom we left behind in Medina who accompanied us in spirit in every pass and valley we crossed. They remained behind for a valid excuse. So again, the hadith is emphasizing the intention. So one of, you know, one of the benefits of the intention, if we go back to the first hadith, is that the consequences are linked to it. The, the possibilities of one, what one can attain are linked to the intention because every person will have what they intended. Right? But also the, the other side of it is that the reward that the person gets is linked to the intention. And so that's another reason why it's it's good to like inwi khayran, inwi khayran, make good intentions, and then you know, inshallah, if they come true, we get reward for them. Yes. Um, do you have any reference for like a book that has intentions we can make for different like, mundane things or things in general? I do not. That's an interesting question. I'm sure something exists. Where did I put my phone so I can make a note of your question? Mm-hmm. On my never-ending majlis list. Uh, works on intentions. Hmm. They have them there sometimes like in, in works on du'as. Like the du'as for starting things. So in the du'a for starting the thing there might be any number of intentions. Uh, I, I don't know, like a book on it. 
I'm just what comes to mind is there's one for drinking coffee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Which one? No, it's a ta'alim, ta'alim, This is one. This is, these are, <coughs> there's got to be something. On the Seeker's Hub website, you can find the coffee one. They give you like the trend. There's like a specific dua that the scholars of Yemen would make when they drink coffee. And like, I'm intending to stay up for worship and this and this and this and this and this. And like, you know. Um, the other one that Na'ila was mentioning is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, from Imam al-Haddad on uh, his, in, like his dua that for when you're going to teach, so it's like I, I intend to teach and to learn and to give benefit and to take benefit and to remind and to be reminded and you know it's very beautiful mashallah these so you find it like in the in the the du'as of the salihin I guess yes we have to intend to make enough money to be able to afford all these books. Hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakil. Could have had like a college plan by now. <coughs> Allah, Allah protect us from, from addictions. May If we have them, may they be a benefit to us. <laughs> so he said the people they left behind, every every valley you crossed, every pass that you went through, everything, every, they all, all of them got the reward because they had intention. They would have been there. They would have been there. And this is a really, really important concept because the intention also kind of like gives an insight into uh, what is the vision of the person, right? Like if I didn't have these things that were that I had to tend to, what would I be engaged in? I would be doing this and this and this and this and this. But I have to take care of my family and my mother needs me and so on and so forth and whatever it might be. Like in this case, one of these people, they say in the commentary on this sometimes that the first hadith at least, one of the um, one of the people that it's referring to is Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu. The, when the Battle of Badr happened, he had the intention to be with them, but he couldn't be with them because he's married to the Prophet's daughter, and the Prophet's daughter was sick. So he couldn't, yeah, and she died. So he couldn't go. <coughs> but he had the intention to go. So his reward was there, you know. There's a lot of things that we can make intention for, inshallah. We want to try to finish this section and then pray Maghrib. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. We're not going to finish this section. He asked about that too. Mm. Well, I'll read a verse from him. Because mm. he couldn't be at any of the battles. Mm-hmm. Abdullah bin Al Maktoum, who was blind. So these are people that had intention. If I was able to, I would have done it. But, you know, if I was able to, I would have attended all of the weddings I was invited to and, and visited all the people who were sick and been there for all the families whose people passed away and attended all the janazas that I wasn't able to attend and whatever it is. Right? I didn't have to go to work and all of these kind of things. And there's so many things that don't allow us to do a lot of the types of khair that maybe we would have liked to do. 
But at least we can make the intention. And inshallah, other people will go and we'll get the reward. Inshallah. وعن أبي يزيد معن ابن يزيد ابن الأخنس رضي الله عنهم وهو وأبوه وجده صحابيون. This is cool. You don't get it in the intro. So it says معن ابن يزيد ابن أخنس. So it says, oh, you do get it in the translation actually. He, his father, and his grandfather were all companions. Him, his father, and his grandfather were all sahabi, sahaba. All of them Sahaba. قال كان أبي يزيد أخرج دنانير يتصدق بها فوضعها عند رجل في المسجد. فجئت فأخذتها فأتيته بها. فقال والله ما إياك أرد. فخاصمته إلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم. فقال لك ما نويت يا يزيد ولك ما أخذت يا معن. So he said, <coughs> he said uh, this Sahabi said, my father set aside some dinars for charity. And gave them to a man in the masjid. I went to that man and took back those dinars. Right? So his father went, gave sadaqah in the masjid. He went to the masjid, took them from the person that was going to distribute that sadaqah. So when he went home, his father told him, It's not you that I intended. <laughs> you know, like, it's not you that I intended. I didn't want you to be the one that takes the money. So he said, uh, so we went to the Messenger of Allah and put forth the matter before him. He said to my father, Yazid, you have been rewarded for what you intended. And he said to me, Ma'an, you are entitled to what you have taken. So each of them got what they intended. <coughs> we'll stop here, inshallah, because it's getting late to pray. So we'll continue next time on hadith number six. In the section on sincerity, inshallah, may Allah give us the ability to finish. There's only 700, um, it's only 820-ish hadith in the first volume. So inshallah, you know, as, as we get moving, the pace will pick up, inshallah.